everyone. I'm Dr. Rachel Lupian. And I'm Dr. Stephanie Sparrow. Our climate is in crisis, and we all want to help, but we might not know how. We're talking to people who have figured out how to use their talents to combat climate change in the hopes that their journey might inspire your own. This is How We Got Here, because the Earth needs professional help. Hi, Steph. Hey, Rachel. Welcome back to How We Got Here. I'm telling that to you. Welcome back. I I know you are. I know you are. (laughs) How are you? You've had a bit of a time. Yeah, can I... Yeah. Read a text that you sent me. Oh. That when we were about to record this en- intro, when we were like, trying to plan it, like you said ago, something yes. along the lines of, oh, don't pull a classic Steph and go to routine doctor's appointment and then be forced to check into the hospital. Because uh. in the past two weeks, both routine OB appointments, the first one I had to go hang out in oh uh, the God. triage ER labor and delivery for a Just while. Just a casual afternoon. It really was. I watched a lot of Golden Girls. Uh, that was, I swear to God, due to a faulty blood pressure cuff that said I was about to have like a oh, seizure in the doctor's office. that's um, frustrating. And then this last time, I very cockily told everyone, I didn't cockily. get a stomach bug. Cockily? Cocky? Cockily. I, it's the adverb form. Cock-ly. I like it. Cockily. Colicky. That's it. I was very <laughs> cocky. <laughs> Uh, yes, I was pretty cool. colicky after. Uh, Theo brought obviously brought home a stomach bug, oh. this neurovirus that's been like going sh- truly across the U.S. Like CNN's had articles it's been about it, and like so many months. Like every time we talk, which is very often. I know, I know. I know. Oh, we had COVID right before that. Oh, that. sure. Just yeah. a little COVID in there. So post COVID, which honestly was a walk in the park compared to whatever I had in January. Um, <laughs> It's been such a shitty year. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. What do we do? Right. Theo brought home a stomach bug. Theo got it. Chris got it. I came into work on Monday. I'm, I'm, the Lord blessed me. I, I have been saved from this whatever. Like, what I was, like, making jokes yeah, about it. Yeah, of course. Um, cut to me puking for 10 hours straight Monday night. Uh-huh. Then cut to my normal doctor's appointment Tuesday morning where they saw... Me and they're like, you have to be admitted like, to the hospital let's get overnight. You into an IV right now. Holy shit, three bags. I've never been. Have you been hooked up to them before? They're awful. No, I don't. They put the. It's... I still have the. I still, I'm oh showing you the band. Like, they put it in this, my right arm, and you, to, you can't bend your arms. So you can't really sleep. Like, whatever. Oh, God. I'm, it's all fine. Everything's the best. Everything's We're all great. healthy. And can and do you know where you were while I was in the hospital? I think you were at Lizzo. I was at a Lizzo concert. Sorry. <laughs> hey, my uh, but was it amazing? Yeah, was it was it incredible. Yeah. God. She said on Instagram that Copenhagen was her favorite city so far on her tour, and yes, we were her second city that she visited. <laughs> but I've been checking, and she hasn't said that about any other city. So. Anyway. And she was just in Paris. So it was I think like me and yeah, I know Paris. I know mm-hmm. Copenhagen is better than Paris, according to Lizzo. And me, I think. Yeah, I'm, actually, I'm that, that holds up. Yeah, it no, was I'm me fine. and Greg and a bunch of Americans studying abroad in Copenhagen. <laughs> <laughs> it was like all the expats at the we Lizzo like, concert. Yay! Yeah, but it was great. <laughs> oh, anyway. That was 
Let's talk about work. What's going well? Well, I mean, I have you even. What we'll work, just, Rachel? I know exactly. We'll I, I feel so bad asking. Okay, what is? Did you? I, I can. Know. I have good. So there. What's honestly, going on? My department has been great in that they've covered for me. Very nice. And gone to all my classes, and it's spring break right now, so I get to catch up for all. <laughs> The work I've missed due to yes, a week recording of from your office, yes, <laughs> recording from my office, and then a week of well, no, just two days of being <laughs> severely dehydrated. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, my colleagues have been really, really great, and I've that's been grateful nice. to be in a department that's like, yeah, I'll take would that. You say that you yeah, don't worry about it. Blessed. Uh, you would. Oh, you would. Oh, you'd say no, not based on this year, but no. Um, uh, how about you? Uh, you've had a more real life than I have recently. I mean, I'm not saying I've had like a more real life. Like that's not the word I would use, but I have had a more like low key life. I think. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm very busy at the moment. I'm like writing a proposal. I'm still trying to get this lab up and running. So uh, yeah, there's like little goods and bads all over the place. Like, did you get that instrument? Yeah, well, well, we, I don't know. Or, I, yeah, ordered so we it. ordered it. And the delivery yeah. date was much sooner than we expected. So that was a good and shocking. There you go. Truthfully. Yeah, great. Never um, happens that way. Never happens that way. Um, so, yeah, that's good. It's just, there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do. And I feel like it's March and the lab's not set up and it's just fine. It's just going to be fine. That's has all. to be fine. It's just you're fine. not, but like I think you're not any slower than anyone else. And no, everything has I know. Been I'm not, I mean. and I, uh, yeah, yeah. And it's nothing I'm doing. It's just a very, no. very slow progress. Maybe that's something we can talk about in a follow up episode. Ooh, yeah. I think that's a good teaser. Good <laughs> teaser. Oh. But yeah. Other than that, uh, like writing a paper and literally was about to submit it, and then a co-author was like. Hey, what if you just plotted this other data set in figure five also? And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm happy to do that. And then they, and I'll hear from them for a week. So things like that, you know, just little bads, <laughs> little goods here and there. <laughs> just sprinkled in. <laughs> sprinkled like, in. Your sprinkled. Data's Nothing in, like, major. Having a light, uh, good, bad week. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good week to have. Yeah. Like ideal week. Ideal blessed. Week to have. Ha- sorry. Hashtag um, blessed. Um, what's funny is our guest, I know him from New Hampshire, but he works with you right now. Well, right? he doesn't work with me, but we are at the same university. You're both in, in this small town in Denmark. Okay, it's bigger than Richmond. Okay, I take that back immediately. I actually? do not think that's true. <laughs> it's like, how big? It's like 300,000 people. Oh, it might be. I honestly should know this. Anyway, it's not that small, but nobody's well, ever heard of it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's just random that I have two people that I very <laughs> yes. much enjoy in this very town random. in Denmark. City in Denmark. City. City with no salsa. I'm going to introduce him. Is that cool? Yeah. And is I that, can confirm is that, our host, that there's our host's no salsa. Uh, logo. Yeah. <laughs> our host, the city with no salsa. Um, okay, let's talk about Jeff. Our so, host. Jeff, what do I say? What do I say? Our house? That's our a, host? I don't know. You say it. Say it. Well, okay, I'll, I say it Aarhus, but that's because I'm American and I feel weird saying it how the Danes actually say it, which is Aarhus. But like, I, I pronounce my R's. Anyway, you go. 
Let's see. Didier knows salsa. You're both living there. So. <laughs> better name. Better name. Oh, Jeff Kirby is an award-winning natural history photographer with a passion for science. He does have a PhD. He's an ecologist and geographer interested in basic and applied scientific research. And his research is also really cool, but we are here to talk to him about his photography life. After spending five seasons as a researcher studying caribou in Greenland, he photographed his first feature story for National Geographic magazine in 2017 on gelato monkeys living in the Ethiopian highlands. His photography work blends classic natural history photography with technical scientific imaging to tell stories that span individual animals to entire landscapes captured in 3D. And just this past month, Nat Geo named one of his photos of a monkey mid-birth, we will post a picture to it, one of the hundred best photos of this century. Jeff is kind of a big deal. Um, Welcome, Jeff! Hi, Jeff. Thanks for joining us. Hello. So good to be here. <laughs> it didn't just take us 17 full minutes to say to figure out who was saying hi to Jeff. That is not yeah. what just happened. <laughs> it yes. is I, Rachel, saying hello to you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings. <laughs> hello to both Thanks of you. Thanks for being here. Uh, Jeff, I haven't seen you in so long. I know. And it's then, crazy. Rachel, you guys work together now, so it's weird and great. Okay, this is, this is just a great connection because... Me and Jeff know each other now because Steph has two friends that live in Aarhus, Denmark. <laughs> Isn't that fun? Is wild. Um, <laughs> yeah, Jeff and I met as postdocs, and uh, <laughs> Jeff, I don't know. We we'd have to. We were funded by this like computational institute. Do you remember every year? I'd never felt such like big imposter syndrome. When they'd like make you go up and talk about your research, and I'm like, oh, I look at satellite data, and then someone would literally follow up and be like, I play the flute with my brain. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, it was this this crazy kind of computational interface thing, yeah. and uh, I'd be like, yeah, I fly drones around sometimes, and then I mean, these guys, other people were just so clear, cool. Satellite data, drones, literally, so cool. there was a person who literally played the. F- Music with yeah, her brain. That's not an exaggeration. I'm, I could not make that up. Do you remember there was somebody else who's like, I'm teaching a robot to improvise jazz? Yeah. Yeah, he, he was making a band of different robots to play music. And then some other guy was, he was creating poetry that like machines oh, were right. writing poetry and it was actually quite good. God, right. I was like, oh man. Yes. This is amazing. Okay, but they thought that drones were awesome. <laughs> Yeah, they well, did. They told me. We got through it. Every, robots told me. I have never felt so shitty than those dinners where I was like, "This is, this is." I, well, I was <laughs> just trying to like keep my my smile in. It's like, man, I can't believe I'm in here. Like, might as well enjoy the yeah. view before I get kicked yeah. out. Yeah, like, this is Hundred percent. Cool. The definition play. of everything we do is just who let me in here. Who let me True. be here? They are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How did we get here? Well, how? Jeff. Did we get here? That's a little Wait, bit of how you got. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit of how you got here. But what do you? Why are you actually here? What do you? What do you do? What's your job title? Do you have a business card? You don't have a business card. You might. I don't know. Man, I I got business cards when I was a a Newcomb fellow in my last postdoc. I was so excited, and I got like a whole stack of them. And then I used like yeah, one. No. I think I just gave no. it to some of my friends. I'm not gonna use and them. I was like, I'm not doing that again. Um, Postdoc's <laughs> the worst job to get. Business cards, because then you're... It was so cool. <laughs> yeah, I felt like an adult. 
Um, but well, my if I was gonna get a business card now, it would be problematic because um, my official title is so um, long. I had to write it down so Say I could it. read it out to you. Say it. All right. So I'm oh, a, okay. a Marie Sklodowska Curie co-fund junior fellow at the Aarhus Institute of Advanced Studies and Eco-Informatics section of the Department of Bioscience at Aarhus <laughs> University. So yeah, I'm a glorified <laughs> postdoc that is sometimes a photographer. <laughs> okay, but what is the acronym? How would you say that an acronym? For? Uh, well, I would just be like, I'm at IS. That's what I just tell people. Oh, now. IS, yeah, yeah. Um, because it's what is IS? It's the Aarhus Institute of Advanced Studies, and everyone's like, "What is that?" I'm like, "It's just the place yeah. at the bottom of the hill." Like, it's you like don't worry about somewhere. it. I'm in Denmark. It's fine. It. I'm doing science in Denmark. Yeah. Everyone's okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's all they need to know. And so what was that last thing you said? You were also a what sometimes? Oh, sometimes a photographer. Yeah. But you're not just any photographer. Yeah. You are a big deal photographer. You like... So my other <laughs> life about Jeff is like when we were allegedly in the same state of New Hampshire sometimes. Allegedly? Well, it'd be like, where's Jeff? And I'd be like, I don't know. He's like literally oh. in Siberia drone yeah. doing drone photography of a nuclear outpost. I don't think I made that up either. Yeah. Did I make that up? I, I don't think a flute playing brain lady would could do that. I'm just saying. I have never felt so uncomfortable in a room filled with a flute brain lady and Jeff <laughs> and an uh, improvising drone person. Or drone person. Robot person. Yeah. But you're well, not geophotographer, right? Uh, yeah. Well, so I, I'm kind of on, on the margins of... Uh, of a community of, of real, you know, it's a full-time job and to do it really well, yeah. you got to do it full-time. Uh, and so I don't do it full-time, but I have a network of friends and colleagues that do that. And occasionally I kind of step into that realm, uh, kind of in the wildlife photography, science photography, and um, yeah, kind of focusing on the science and then the people that do that science as well. Wasn't there a picture of yours just published in like the best shots of Nat Geo? And I literally had to just watch a monkey give birth because that's what you took a picture of. <laughs> yeah. What? Well, so I was just passing through. Is this on Instagram? Just passing through no. the airport. It's in National Geographic. I haven't posted I mean, the, the, on the, internet. the latest version of it. But yeah, no, they did a special issue of like the 100 greatest photos of the last century yeah. of National Geographic. Yeah. Okay, Jeff. So, Leave with that. <laughs> this is a photo. No one cares about your science, Jeff. It's important, but no one cares. This is a photo I've been traumatizing like you know school children around the world with for for years now um, and adult people in their 30s yeah no it's a great double take it's kind of like oh nice oh, like a monkey I'm... and then you're like wait that's more than one monkey that's <laughs> oh, 1.5 monkeys wait i cannot wait to look it up <laughs> yeah so jeff what what do you actually do can you talk to us a bit about your research and how that relates to climate but also how you use photography and that's a lot but can you just sure? All right. Well, I'll just for like two I'll start simple and see how far we get. Yeah, um, and please do that. pull me back if I'm if I'm just meandering because that's always <laughs> you go cool. like, back to photography, please. Was <laughs> <laughs> well, so like on on paper, like I'm an ecologist and a geographer, and I'm really into how and why plants manage to live or animals actually plants or animals manage to live in like really seasonal or intense environments. Um, so think the Arctic, think mountains, think deserts, um, where there's like pulses of resources or lack thereof. Uh, 
because right. nothing so like not virginia nothing should live there well i mean virginia can be kind of seasonal in a way that i find very nothing should live in virginia you're fine yeah um and so it's like how do they pull this off and then Steph how does that loves virginia. is that true i get that sorry <laughs> summer's there is a reason to go do arctic field work uh 100 yeah so you're in these bonkers environments studying plants and animals and like how they even decide how they how they just like live at all, not even thrive, just survive. Well, think about it. Like, how does anything survive in a place where it's like minus forty degrees, pitch black, totally frozen, Don't and know. then like it just pops up green the next Denmark. summer? It doesn't make any sense. Like it's it's crazy. I yeah. agree. Um, I agree. So I think that's Very interesting. Impressive. And I want to understand why and how how that happens. And turns out like that's kind of relevant to how ecosystems function, uh, which ties in with these big, you know, things tied to climate, like carbon cycle and um, kind of the interface, of, like how people interface with with the environment. So, well, and I can imagine if there's like a plant or an animal, again, not a real ecologist, that like has evolved to be like, I love negative 40 and then I can bloom. And then all of a sudden that negative 40 is not happening anymore because it's so much warmer. Yeah then that's got to like throw off the whole balance of the ecosystem because that's going to have all these cascading effects down the line. You nailed it. Yeah. No, that's basically uh, what we're trying to figure out. Thanks. Thanks for the, Perfect. the help. You there. haven't solved it anytime. <laughs> and it's, I just, it's interesting to think about because my research is on, I tend to look at much longer time scales. Is it uh, 200 million years ago? 7 billion. <laughs> just kidding. Um, stuff has you can't well, get the number of zeros of the <laughs> number of years that I study. It's very I just refuse to commit to memory. I was so happy I got, like, within a million years of that kind of geological transition that we were talking about earlier today. Yeah. Ply Plasticine transition. What up? Total guess. Nerds. Total guess. <laughs> yeah, you were within a million. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah, but so I think about, like, how, like, what aspects of climate and climate variability drive human evolution but it's the same idea that that uh, higher high amplitude oscillations these dramatic changes are really what is um is hard to survive yeah but also drives a lot of evolution i mean you have periods where there's a lot of crazy stuff happening and that can generate a lot of yeah. diversity but also knock off exactly a lot of diversity too. it selects for yeah yeah trade Toward X Men, that were that was a serious question. <laughs> I yes. don't understand the question. So Jeff, do you want to take that one? <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. I'm not a. Is that Marvel? What's get out? I haven't get seen a single uh, like superhero thing movie yet. Um, I hate Marvel, and I understand that the X Men were like evolved, extra evolved humans. I don't. Are know. those the big green ones? Yeah, the Hulk. No. I it's Hulk. like Storm and the guy with the laser eye and Halle Berry and I don't know oh, the blue Berry. the the blue lady. You lost These me. These like, are <laughs> yeah. so sorry. Wait, are you talking about Pl Captain Planet? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff. So anyway, you're an ecologist okay, by yeah. day. All right. <laughs> you work <laughs> okay. So you're. We could either find you. My guess is like. Again, when I would ask where Jeff was and someone would literally say Siberia, or sometimes I found you at your computer, like what's a day-to-day -day look like for you? Well, all right. I mean, I, 
I encounter a couple problems uh, with with my work. One is uh, <laughs> it's difficult to spend a lot of time in a place that is, you know, very difficult for plants or animals to survive in uh, oh, if you're yeah. not used to that. Hard for Jeff and, to survive too. Yeah, or you don't yeah. have kind of the the toolkit or behaviors learned how to do that. Like I grew up in New Jersey, so like I'm, I have some limitations to begin with. Um, and <laughs> so what, what I do is I use a bunch of tools like drones or time-lapse cameras or just kind of repeat photography to gather information about these places or satellites. And then I go back and sit at my computer and mash it all together to try to identify patterns and link those patterns to processes. That's one of my problems. And then the other pattern is I get really jazzed up about this stuff. Like, I think it's super interesting <laughs> and I try to take a lot of pictures to express my interest and share that with people. And uh, that's been a learning curve as well, because I started off at the very bottom and through intense selection pressures, like we talked about, um, <laughs> I've been able to get better through immense amounts of failure, um, of like kind of so trying to find ways to, to communicate through photography. Are the tools that you're using for your research, like... These, I'm assuming, very expensive cameras. Are the are those the same tools that you're using for photography? Is that how you were you like in the field doing research with a fancy camera, and then you took a picture of a monkey having a baby? <laughs> <laughs> oh, or question. or did one come first? Or yeah, well, uh, the the time in the field came first with with non fancy cameras. Um, so okay. I yeah was spending a lot of time gathering data and kind of settling into into different um, kind of research programs and then snapping pictures just because I was kind of you had a lot of time on your hands because you were in cool places yeah, yeah. and then uh, I came back and realized that those pictures were ineffective at uh, capturing the place but I didn't realize how bad they were until I showed them to other people because when you take a picture you know the backstory <laughs> of it and so it seems cool. And this is a problem that I still have to this day. Like oh. if I work really hard to make a picture, I inherently tend to like that picture more than like a really kind of cheap picture I made on the side that might gotcha. be objectively interesting, but I'm assigned value to it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, editors talk with photographers or have to fight with them all the time. Like, do you know how hard I worked for this picture? And they're like, yeah, but it's not as good as this other one that you like, actually might not have worked that hard for. <laughs> but that's really interesting too. If you think about like science communication and like, that crossover being, I always think about how we're sort of in this country or we're in the place that we got into climate wise because scientists weren't trained as communicators, but there's this like really interesting intersection and you have to think a lot about the narrative and the story. And I've actually never, <laughs> I mean, I'm not a real photographer and I take a picture on Instagram. I'm like, oh my God, isn't this amazing? And it's not, <laughs> right? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because it's, it, but it's, it, you just made that connection for me like, oh, I'm here experiencing that thing, but no one yeah, else yeah. cares about Sorry, my dog is about to get up right now. Um, hey, no one else can you just cool it right now? Holy. <laughs> um, there's always a pet ruining one of these episodes. Uh, but I just think it's really yeah. interesting. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, photography can have so many different uses. Just knowing what your objective is. Like, often I get a lot of joy out of non-great pictures that just kind of capture a vibe or something that aren't intended for a huge public audience. Um Whereas, you know, other times they have to be very carefully crafted and have mm -hmm. the layering or whatever to communicate something more complex. But those those take work. Uh, you have to 
really try for those. Can we go back and figure out how you even got to the, like, yeah, how you got, so was your first job, what was your first job ever? What, were you in New Jersey? Were you doing New Jersey things? Like, I don't know what that would be, so I'm not going to. You know, I'm actually really curious what these New Jersey (laughs) things are. No, I've insulted so many states in previous episodes. Taylor Taylor Ham on rolls and ketchup and yeah no that's did you have that accurate i didn't realize that taylor <laughs> oh. ham wasn't a thing also mischief night uh apparently that's not a widespread thing across the world um oh, we had that words. in baltimore but that's you guys said jersey adjacent maybe not yes yeah, no adjacent. any of what you said taylor ham taylor ham taylor ham <laughs> taylor ham taylor ham yeah <laughs> It's okay, just I don't know that, and I don't like know Mischief Night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very briefly, you know, I don't know if this is the content you're looking no, this for. This is very important to go on. <laughs> mischief Night is the night before Halloween oh. where you go out and you like smash people's pumpkins and stuff and See, like, do mischief. The toilet um, paper on the trees. Yeah, TP trees. Eggs on the couch. I would never do things like that. I would just protect my no. own house from the mischievous not. rascals sure. of the neighborhood. Were you out front with a baseball bat protecting <laughs> <Yeah>. your house? <laughs> that was your first job. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah, right. my first paying job, uh, I think, was in yeah. oh, middle yeah. school. <laughs> I, I was a, a, a soccer referee uh, oh. for like first graders. Love. Yeah. Oh, oh. that's pretty good. Yeah. Cool. yeah was... Were they just like, I'm just picturing first graders like, you know how when you grow up playing a sport, you realize that you actually need to spread out on the field. <laughs> but the first graders are all just chasing after the ball, with their little tiny shin guards on. Oh, it's great. It, it's like, it's fun to watch. And there's still one parent just like totally harassing you. Like, that's yeah. a terrible parent. <laughs> out, so, I just blew a whistle at halftime. Like, that's all you do as a ref of first grader. Yeah, yeah no, I, I was slightly traumatized by that. But um, yeah, then my, my next like kind of more official job would be like working in a restaurant. I did a bunch of different jobs in restaurants growing up. What restaurant? Serving this ham. <laughs> Taylor ham restaurant. restaurant? Uh, <laughs> no, I was an Italian restaurant. I was a, uh, a bus boy. And my favorite mm. part of that was they gave me a little tool called a crummer, uh, which is like a, a little metal scraper thing. And you'd go yeah. off and like, Oh, that's a fancy restaurant. Yeah. You were at a white tablecloth oh, restaurant. A well, yeah. There, it was yeah. like a kind of a very <laughs> Italian-y old school place. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you have a tie clip? Um, I had to wear a, um, a tuxedo shirt. Uh, when I was there, oh, wait, yeah, like a like a t shirt that had a tuxedo on it. No, <laughs> no, no. Oh, like a white, like, like a, a okay. like a tux shirt. <laughs> like a shirt that one would wear yeah. if they had the tuxedo. He had to wear one of those shirts that like it was like it was like an apron under a it was that t shirt. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Just the apron. It was very very special kind of restaurant. Um. Well, then how did you, when you were in high school, were you like drawn to science? Did you know that's what you wanted to do as a non-tuxedo shirt wearing Jeff? Um, no, not, I mean, I, I enjoyed science, um, but I enjoyed a lot of other things and that continued through college, uh, where, I mean, I was, I was a Russian studies major in, in college. Oh, I forgot. We also had this connection. Yeah. Jeff go Jeff went to undergrad where I teach. Yeah. <laughs> oh right. I know his old advisor. Well, and so I, I oh. ended up doing a, a biology degree as well. Uh initially I was like, oh, I'll be pre-med like all the other people. And it's I was there. like, this is not 
not gonna work out for me. It's not my Russian not studies my is a hard wait. left from pre med. Well, wait, which way? Wait, so it was Russian after the pre med route? Well, or so I you a double Russian studies and bio. So I ended up with a double, but I um went in was like Russia is very interesting, like the history, the culture, the language. Growing up in New Jersey, mm-hmm. just wasn't something that I had a lot of exposure yeah. to. Also, was he was Yvonne there? Yeah, she must have been. Yeah. Yvonne this is the most charismatic professor ever. Yvonne Howell. Yeah. I find her, the, I, I think she's the most delightful. I, she always makes me feel so welcome. A, and oh, makes I love a big her. difference. Yeah. yeah. And she's super kind of science positive too. She's really into kind of the oh. interface between uh, the humanities and the sciences. And um, that, that ties in well with, uh, you know, some interesting threads of, of Russia during the Soviet period and, and beyond. So yeah, I got really into that, and then I um, was just taking prereq courses, and Uh I needed more, and I stumbled into like this behavioral ecology course taught by um, (gasps) Peter Smallwood. That's so interesting. uh, Who's a professor? And let's talk about someone else who's a character and lovely, like these Jeff's two advisors. (laughs) I mean, Jeff's two advisors are probably the two most charismatic. Like personalities, I don't know. They're like people who are are personalities. They're people to, to know. I think it's okay to say that Peter Smallwood wears a cape. I think Absolutely, that's okay to put out yeah. in the world. <laughs> Thank you for this visual. You're that welcome. makes a lot more sense. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm no. With you. He, Shout out, Peter. His class just blew my mind. Like I went in there, I was like, "What? Like this can't be real." Like I, you know, I, I didn't really think that much. He can't about be real. Ecology, he is, though. Um, or what have can you. And then that? add Peter to that, okay. and you get. Yeah, it opened. Go, you can ask about Peter. Is there a cape every day? Is it the same cape? What color is it? How long? Dark brown, fully full length. Full length. Full length. Yeah. Does it drag on the ground? No, I think it hits right above the ankles. You can't ride a bike with that. I probably could. I was wondering if that was a memory that I had like made up, or if it was real. No, I think it's real. Yeah. Well, it does, I don't, like, or it's a memory you like implanted in my brain. <laughs> no, he's definitely. Wait, you've never seen that? He's, no, I think oh, I he's have. He pulled it off. He could pull it off. He, the, the, he's had Is this a, a myth? He, No, he, no, not a myth. He's got crazy story. He, I don't know. If anyone has a chance to talk to Peter Spall, he brought conservation. Tell me which Middle Eastern country, Jeff, because I don't want to get the wrong one. So he worked in both Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, okay, those were the two I was thinking. Yeah. About. Um, one working with um, scientists who, uh, you know, forgive me if I'm wrong here, Peter, but uh, we're working with scientists that were, yeah, uh, we're working like <laughs> previously in the weapons of mass destruction yeah. program, trying to find like other scientific outlets for them. And then in Afghanistan, yeah. it was setting up um, some of their first or second national parks uh, in Bandi Amir and oh. the Wakhan Corridor. Which are just incredible places, and he was there, you know, in and the um, kind of late during the war two thousands. Yeah, he was in yeah. the middle of the war in the in the Iraq war. Was he wearing a cape? No, but do you know what he was doing, which is also wild. He found out he has this like crazy chronic illness, and he had to buy blood off the black market from people. <laughs> this is the the myth of Peter Smallwood. And he's the most like soft spoken, quiet yeah, he's man a gentle creature. that studies squirrels and spiders <laughs> and has really long hair. Uh yep. Full like, pick, yeah, full like 
tied with gray I hair. I think I can't handle it. I think I, I don't, I don't think I want any more facts about him. Okay, because I. So I that's fair. We can move past how interesting of a person is. <laughs> So did Peter Avant, like, did Ru- Russian studies came first in bio, or did bio and then Russian studies, or were you, like, I was characters? I gotta be part Always of interested in the Russian studies thing, um, started taking bio prereqs because of the, like, oh, well, like, is Russian studies my career? I don't know what you do with that. Um, yeah. So they kind of just emerged. I didn't go into undergrad with a great plan. And um, I spent yeah. a year abroad, half of it in Russia, half of it in Denmark, of all places. And I picked Denmark <gasps> I because there. I just needed some science courses that were taught in English. And I didn't want to go to England. And I didn't know where Denmark was uh, or anything like that when I signed up for it. And nobody really does. A lot of people just think it's the Netherlands. Yeah. So. Like, oh, yeah, Amsterdam. And nobody knows where that is either. <laughs> yeah, Amsterdam, Amsterdam a lot. <laughs> Do you have to teach in Dutch? I get that question yeah. a lot. So <laughs> it, there's a lot of early seeds planted in what I later ended up doing Where? in my undergrad without me intentionally really setting it up that way. That's awesome. Where in Denmark were you starting? I was, uh, I did a, a homestay in uh, mm-hmm. Roskilde, um, oh, just outside of Copenhagen. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So when, you graduated yeah. with your Russian studies bio double major. First what Russian was the bio plan? double major on earth. So my... There, you've had followers, by the way. Okay. Or maybe Russian studies geography double major. I, anyway, continue. My, like, what, what was your next... My goal was like after I had laid on, had my mind kind of blown by this whole behavioral ecology thing. I was like, all right, I'm going to go all in on Russian studies after I try a, like a year worth of kind of field experience with some biology okay. to see if this is a plausible pathway. Like research. Yeah, research. My senior project with Peter was like burying acorns all over campus, uh, including a discussion about if we should get severed squirrel hands to pat down <gasps> the acorns so they smelled right. Uh, we didn't end up doing that, but no. it was a serious, <laughs> serious conversation. Fucking we, I feel like we talk about acorns a lot on this podcast. <laughs> we do, but this is not, we've but never talked about with severed, squirrel with severed squirrel heads. Just, yeah, there squirrels. could have been a, you know, a sensory cue there of, uh, anyway, that's, that's a slight distraction. But you no. did bury the acorns without the squirrel head? Yeah. Yeah. I buried a bunch of acorns. Did you like spray some squirrel pheromone? <laughs> We yeah, there's a lot of I I would love to go back and do that project um, again with the <laughs> dig up some acorns yeah, yeah. <laughs> just pull it off with the squirrel you know find an unfortunate roadside um, collaborator and uh, yeah very very but wait why were you doing this what was the goal so we were looking at different acorn species uh, like red oh, oaks okay. uh, white oaks to see if the acorns were dug up with a differential um, selectivity by the squirrels ah. to see if they could sense what was under there. Like, could they sense, like, sense the more nutrient rich ones or like the ones that had more tannins in them, like stuff that makes is hard to digest. So it was getting at the question, like, why are certain tree species where, uh, and do squirrels influence gotcha. that by their selection of burying and then stealing nuts from each other? What was Ooh. the result? It's pretty inconclusive from what I recall. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
It's probably because you didn't use the little tiny scroll <laughs> Maybe, yeah, who knows? I, I Maybe I, I could. I think it was maybe the squirrel hands that, that made the difference. Holy <laughs> Wow. Okay, so post, oh. that was your all-in on bio? The acorns? So, oh, yeah. Like, so I was like, you were like, this is amazing. Uh, you know, this is the, the internet's <laughs> wild days. And I was like, oh, you can find jobs online oh, yeah. or something. So yeah. I found this perfect job. It was like, move to kind of central Siberia to Lake Baikal. And you can study uh, these freshwater seals, the only ones in the world that live in the world's largest lake, uh, working with this institute that does kind of Russian-English exchange. <laughs> Um, and so I was like, here's where the oh myth of Jeff begins. Wait, perfect for me. You're like typing in Russian bio it's double major jobs.com. Seals. So I apply for that. <laughs> Seals. It's like an entry level position and then I don't get it. And I was like, what the heck? Oh. Like, what kind of, <laughs> who is getting this job if it's not me? <laughs> and so then I kind of lashed out and was like, I'll find another job. <laughs> And so oh, I went. I went online, and uh, there was an ad that said, "Like, move to a mountain in Ethiopia to follow monkeys around for a year, where you just kind of live in a tent, and it's at you know thirteen thousand, twelve thousand feet." And it was a project that had just started, uh, and they're like, "Yeah, we're looking for people to run this project." While the PIs went back to the U.S. to go back to their jobs at different zoos, and I was like, "All right." That's interesting. I've never been camping before in my life, but uh, let's apply oh for this job. It's like this boy from New Jersey who is bearing acorns on a very pristine campus. Yeah. Pack all your Taylor ham and go to Ethiopia. Yeah, so I applied for that. You got this one, didn't and you? And I got that job. Maybe there were... Oh. Did you email the Russian job? 50-50. <laughs> <laughs> ben 5-0. So, yeah, I ended up, um, like, the day after I graduated, I got on a plane and flew to Ethiopia. And then spent the next how's the, year. How's there. the Richmond Ethiopia flight? <laughs> oh, it's definitely not in distance. Yeah, yeah. There was a couple stops to Addis. in the way. Yeah, yeah. I remember it just kind of popped out in Addis, and um, yeah, then spent the next year um, having a How? transformative wow. experience. Here's my other thing about Jeff. When he met my husband Chris, who also lived in Ethiopia. Yeah. He was like, oh, yeah, I know that base you built. And I was like, what the hell is this person? Who is this person that is just like, oh, yeah, that, that base, I know her. I, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> That's funny. Can I ask you a question? Because we try to aim this podcast and conversation at students looking for jobs and things. Obviously, the internet is very helpful. How was the support system that you had while applying for these jobs? How did your family feel about this job? <laughs> That's really what I want. Well, yeah. they um, were quite concerned about this. So I, I don't come from <laughs> a, like a, a, a biology or a research kind of background family. Um, right. So that whole career track was kind of confusing. Um, Fair enough. Lots of and mysteries around it, yeah. So it took a lot of, like, discussions with them and, um, you know, trying to evaluate, like, you know, is this an opportunity that makes sense? And, you know, what are my goals? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, what are the trade-offs? Because there are huge trade-offs of, you yeah. know, yeah. my expenses were covered with this, but I mean, there's a huge opportunity cost of like, I, I was not yeah. making very much money or potentially taking a very big right. risk of... Um, 
yeah, if this was the right way to spend a year, um, yeah, right. that, uh, yeah, we, we talked through, but they, yeah, were pretty concerned, but supportive. And so I, uh, I really appreciate that about them. And not to date yeah. you, Jeff, and how old we all are, <laughs> but like, the, I don't know. Ago. My mom would like freak out if she couldn't contact. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're in the, you're in the, yeah. Like I feel like my, that would be, my family wouldn't That's be like, true. are you alive? How do we know you're alive? Yeah. We, so the, a lot has changed in the last maybe 10 or 15 years there. Um, but when we went, there was no kind of cell phone network or, right. um, way to communicate other than we, we had a satellite phone and we had a satellite modem where you can kind of like type out just a couple text messages but i mean that the solar system melted after like a month or two and so then the satellite <laughs> thing broke and wow we had to kind of try to find ways to fix that and then the the phone ran out a minute so there were several month periods where i would not contact um my family right wow my, yeah, that's where my, my family would, would lose not it. have it. Yeah. yeah, it was very difficult. <laughs> but, but now, now yeah. they're just kind of used to it. Um, but I'm much better. I've well, like turned. I was not a super communicative um, young adult yeah. uh, when it when it came to you know leaving the nest. But um, I've circled. You were like, I don't get it. Why do you need to hear from me? Yeah, yeah <laughs> maybe I I've developed a, another a deeper empathy for the values of that and yeah. appreciation for. Technology has also time. improved. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> um, is that what was that? Did you get the bug there? And that's like what started yeah. it all that experience? Yeah, so that was the catalyst, really. Not the but like the catalyst. That's a better way. Yeah. Oh, how it started. To, <laughs> not, I'm sure you also did get I mean, I did get really I'm sure you got some sick also. I lost, yeah, sure. You know, maybe 35 pounds while I was there due to some. Wow. Yeah. But it was, uh, yeah, it really it was an is accelerator this... for every kind of scientific interest thing that I had it opened my mind to a lot of different cultural yeah. differences in in richness that I, I wasn't aware of and it also was uh kind of where my photography really got started too so is it in that year that you took that hundred yeah. best photo of the last century no nah, no nah. most of those pictures were, were, were really quite bad <laughs> from that year um you know I had a lot of time because I would just follow you know hundreds of monkeys around and so this is above the tree line so it, it kind of looks like yeah. arctic tundra so there's no trees it's just this grassland and then on one side there's a, a cliff that is you know hundreds or in some places thousands of meters tall that's the edge of the great rift valley and uh the monkeys would sleep on those cliffs and then come to the top and just walk around and eat grass up there all day they're the only kind of remaining grass eating monkey in in the world and uh, so I just followed them around. I picked up their poop because uh, we were getting hormones from it and yeah. uh, then did all sorts of kind of behavioral ecology uh, records and um, yeah, natural history observations. Well, so wow. then when you're, it was like a term position. It was like you have a year yeah. and then you're done. Yeah. So were you, I take it you weren't Googling in the Highlands <laughs> of Ethiopia <laughs> job I don't, I mean, I just take You're it. You're like, now with one year of experience, <laughs> yeah. following monkeys around. Russian studies com. still, bye. <laughs> yeah. Still interested in going to Russia, what do I do, dot com. Yeah, so I, um, like every couple months, we would go back to Addis Ababa, the, the capital oh, of Ethiopia. Sure. And I started looking for some jobs then. Um, 
and didn't really find much. Uh, there was kind of these short little windows of communication. So after the year was over, I came back. Um, I was kind of the adjustment back home was much harder than the adjustment to living mm. in Ethiopia. Um, maybe because I wasn't expecting how hard that would be. Like, whereas I had anticipated a lot of, that, right. uh, of changes right. moving there. And so I, you know, I struggled with that for a while and trying to make sense of, of what my next steps were. And like, I, yeah, like I, you know, I hadn't hung out with my friends for a year or like had a, yeah. you know, a, and people have moved all yeah, over yeah, the people were, were, and gotten were growing up in their and, own yeah. ways. And uh, so it was kind of confusing. Yeah. Um, and then I, yeah, I kind of sat down. I was like, all right, like I'm very interested in kind of how these primates, these like really interesting creatures that I spent so much time with are like a reflection of the landscape that they, they live in and interact with it and shape it in so many yeah. ways. And there's, you know, the whole system, like between the way that people live there and how they farm. And it was just a reflection of the, the climate and the kind of geologic history. And I was just really into landscapes. Uh, and so I was like, all right, I need to be able to articulate this scientifically somehow. So I need to learn how to do GIS and satellite image analysis. <laughs> that was my my conclusion. So I a wild I, conclusion to come to on your own, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I need to learn how to play a flute with my brain. Yeah, well. Oh, you, you haven't done that? Oh, it's on the list, there's... but we'll, you know, I'll save that for, for the future. But uh, yeah, so I, I, I reached out to the, the Smithsonian had a, a GIS lab that was focused on kind of conservation and some remote sensing at what at that time was this closed campus up in the hills of Virginia uh, at the edge of the Shenandoah um, you know, National yeah. Park. Beautiful. And so I was like, hey, like, I'm Jeff. I'm a Russian studies guy. I live with monkeys for a year. Like, can I come <laughs> and like be an intern in your GIS lab? And they're like, yeah, do you have any experience at all? I'm like, nope, not not really. They're like, yeah, we're looking for maybe someone with a little experience. <laughs> and when you're kind of desperate and at home and stewing in your own yeah, thoughts, yeah. you just start doing irrational yeah. things. So I think I just kind of kept writing to them, trying in different ways to the point. This is amazing. Where they're like, stop writing to us and just come here. Like you can sit in the corner and learn to, like by yourself. There's like a abandoned house at the bottom of the hill you can stay in and just like no way um, i was like oh okay that's amazing is key yeah no persistence really pays off um so i think you've essentially taught yourself gis in a windowless office at this (laughs) well no it was great windows it overlooked this nice meadow there was um, some endangered species there's like shavalsky horses near there a bison running around there's like scimitar horned oryx it was a real amazing place What? I have never seen any Where of those things when I've gone this? to Shenandoah. Yeah, well, it's like a it's like a compound in the mountains. So it's it's associated with the National Zoo, the Smithsonian National Zoo, and it's where they do all oh. of the kind of endangered species research and breeding for the zoo. That is so um, cool. So they have like I love that they were just like and black footed ferrets and all this stuff there. I get why you kept emailing them. Yeah. It's also I mean, I think it's a testament to like people are like, I don't want to put myself out there. And you're like, I don't want to send an email. Like, what's the worst that can happen? They say no or they don't. And if you're Jeff, if you send enough emails, they'll be like, if you stop emailing us, we'll give you a job. Well, I was just you're welcome. You know, quietly stewing in my parents' place, like mad at how large yeah. the milk 
cartons they were buying were like having all these like right. very strange thoughts I'm like that milk they is were way too annoying big. you had to and get they're like uh yeah. why are you complaining about the size of the milk we're buying <laughs> get out so i think house. it was in everybody's interest that i like found some yeah. other outlet Maybe they emailed the yeah, That's probably what they did. <laughs> but I landed there and it was a community that like that facilitated learning. It's not like I just, you know, did it by myself. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. a place yeah, where yeah. like, all right, like here's that's a awesome. framework that if you apply yourself, we can feed back and, and encourage that. And so I ended up spending a year there learning an immense amount from the, you know, more experienced people that, that were there and kind of using that as a launch pad into my, my graduate studies. Can I ask, like, at what point, maybe we haven't gotten there yet in your journey. Yeah. At what point did you start thinking about climate as a thing that is worth studying and thinking about Yeah. Well, that, that, that was when I was in Ethiopia in the sense that Okay. That place like, is a place where it's it's summer every day and winter every night. So you can get yeah. if we're speaking in Fahrenheit, like in the 90s Fahrenheit, and then be you know below freezing in a 24 hour period, what? and that happens daily wow. uh, during the warmer wow. part of the year. And so just living through that is wow. an interesting experience, and you see that's hard to pack for. All yeah, well, layers. <laughs> it's all about layers. <laughs> Uh, but the plants and animals have all these strange characteristics. And so like that got me interested in climate writ large in some yeah. sense. Like there's a lot yeah. of um, very particular adaptations to be able to, to stand that environment. It's one of the very few places where there's something that sort of looks like a tree, but it's not that actually grows faster the older it gets. Almost every other um, kind of tree or large plant oh. grows slower as it gets older. Yeah, but that's just because the the apical kind of meristem, or like the part that grows at the end of the plant, once it gets like a foot or two above the ground where the temperature swings are the highest, the temperature swings oh. become less severe uh, as you get higher up. And so mm. then it's easier to grow. So it, like the first few less years stressed. of its life, it's yeah. in this like carnage zone of climate. And then it kind of eventually gets beyond that and it can, it can start growing better. Um, so... What? It's like the trees in its twenties wow. for its first few years of life and then it figures out its life. Yeah. Uh yeah. what's this not tree called? Uh, a giant lobelia. Ooh. You should look at it. It looks like a palm tree, at. but it's yeah. uh that's us. yeah, I was like, what is it? Yeah. We'll All right. To it. Yeah. So uh, and we'll link to your crazy <laughs> that got what? me into Are there no photos of it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got a lot of climate. I mean it's I got a lot of pictures of it too. But then, so you're like, you have climate on the brain, I guess. You have these like cool environments on the brain and then you have finagled your way <laughs> to a bonkers internship. Is that when you start thinking grad school? And then where does the photography, we don't, as much as I want to waste all your time, Jeff, I actually don't want to waste all your time. Where does the photography come <laughs> into all that? How did, like, what's the next step? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I got really into mongolian gazelles at the smithsonian so all right they, sure. they move over <laughs> these like huge areas that are like 10 times the size of the serengeti and they just follow um ephemeral rainfall events in these in these strange yeah. movement patterns and so it was like animals chasing patterns of, right. of plant growth in space and so i was kind of interested in that because that's what the monkeys were doing too 
And so I was going to go do a, a grad program about that. And I saw this ad, you know, on the same kind of um, online job boards. Whatever, like for a What is this is, job what, board? Was it Jeeves? Was it Ask <laughs> Yeah, Alta Vista or whatever. Uh, <laughs> no, it was just Ecolog. I find I find a lot of things on this oh. listserv called oh, Ecolog. Right. I've never heard of that. Oh, well, check it out if you want good I don't in, think. internships. Ecolog. And so they had a, a, a PhD spot that was like um, uh, plant-animal interactions in Greenland. Uh, and so this, Ooh. rather than strictly thinking about patterns of vegetation in space, it was a lot in time because you have – this problem where, you know, the most of the year is really hard to do anything. And then you have a really short window to kind of grow, to reproduce, to recover from the tough winter and plants and animals are all fighting yeah. for that um, time and space. So I went and applied for that. And um, that kind of then sent me into the, the climate change path more uh, directly than some of the other projects yeah. I was working on. Greenland's feeling it pretty bad. But I could never, yeah, yeah, that's a that's another hour of the podcast. Um, yeah, we won't. Should we it. talk about Go. polar amplification? Should we save it? There's, <laughs> I got time. <laughs> but <laughs> when I was there, I also got um, um, a, I felt I got funding for my PhD, which gave me a, a lot of time to decide how I allocated that time, and so that's when. <laughs> photography also bubbled up where we started writing grants to the National Geographic Society, myself and some some colleagues. And so then I got to go back to Ethiopia in the middle of that to um, do ah. more research and then try the photography a little bit more seriously. And then that kind of snowballed into the... So when you were in Greenland studying shrubs and greenness using the satellites, yeah. you're like... I'm going to apply to be a Nat Geo Explorer to study the monkeys, to take pictures of the monkeys again. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, okay. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> uh -huh. and they're like, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I told my advisor and he's like, that sounds really cool, man. I was like, oh, great. <laughs> All right. I'm going. And then Nat Geo was like, yeah, hundred percent. How long? So then you went to Ethiopia back to your same stomping grounds. Well, so one of my uh, like really close collaborators, uh, Vivek Venkatraman, was one of the like other camp managers when we were out uh, in Ethiopia at that time. And now he's a professor at, at Calgary now. And so he, we had noticed this weird interaction between this very rare wolf species that lives in Ethiopia and the monkeys, where they're just kind of like hanging out together uh, in oh. a way that... Like a Milo and Otis. Yeah. And so we were Aww. like, let's go do a project on that. So we wrote a was grant. Was your grant titled Milo and Otis? I think it was a. <laughs> Gotta get that acronym. Was it monkeys are a wolf's best friend or something like that? Oh my no, God. That was, was it? Yeah. Yes. Uh, so. Funded. <laughs> so we went. Don't need to read it. And like just gather data on that pattern that we had seen, but just kind of dismissed because it seemed normal when you're there. You're like, oh yeah, the wolves are hanging out with the monkeys again. And we're like, got back. We're like, wait, that was super weird. Why didn't we pay more attention to that? So oh, we did a scientific project on that. And then I tried to take pictures of it because no one had documented that before. Yeah. And I, I did like, okay wow. job. And then that made its way through I the bet you did a good system. Job. And then it, that introduced me to a network of people and like mentorships and feedback and a very winding journey 
that years later ended up um, doing um, a feature story in in National Geographic magazine on that uh, area and the and the people that wow. have kind of been conserving. So it this place is really special because it's been conserved by the local people for centuries yeah. uh, in this really cool conservation scheme that that yeah dates way back. So that that was another part of it that that we covered. Can I ask about the photography stuff before we yeah. maybe start thinking about wrapping the, um, so right. You had no, you were just like, this is cool. I'm going to start photographing it. And then it sounds like, because now you've like helped film documentaries that have premiered at Banff and stuff, right? Like you, you're kind of, I, you, you live this double life. That is also the same life, I guess, but you must've had, I can't imagine you had the mentorship must have been very strong. And did that come from Nat Geo or did it come from, you were just like showing other people that you respected your photos and asking for feedback? Like, how do you deep dive into that and get to the level? Cause you're very successful in two very different, but parallel worlds. I guess. I mean, they converge obviously, but yeah, well, I don't think I would have made it in the, um, days of film uh, because something about digital photography it just it lets you have infinite amount of trial and error and iteration uh in a way where you get instant feedback so um i yeah. learned from you know other i was working with another photographer on this project working with in these groups of people that were full-time professional and you could ask them questions of like how do you even begin approaching um telling a story like there, there's like this whole narrative structure to, to yeah. think about and then like storyboarding things out in advance so it's almost like pre-visualizing the pictures that you want and then uh, seeing so you like go into the field and try it you're like i want a shot that does this and wait to try and get yeah that you shot. think about like what are all the elements that you need to convey the story that you want to convey and you go with that in mind and also understanding that like that's not actually what's going to happen, that but... could not happen. <laughs> yeah yeah Hey monkey, could you just give birth? And then Thank there's yeah. yeah, there's opportunistic I only things. Have 15 minutes. And then there's stuff of like where you see techniques or ideas in a totally different context. So like that picture is crazy. How did they do that? And then it's almost like a you're you're trying to break it down into its parts and and pick it into pieces. Like oh, like this is how I could try to make something new in, in a different place. So there's there's all those elements, and yeah, then you just go out and the biology part gives you a huge advantage because you're able to predict things a bit better and you can spend a lot more time uh, in the field. Yeah, right. You're like you putting, like understand what's going to happen better. You're like, I can predict this because I've modeled it science. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then once you, Oh yeah, go oh. ahead. No, 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 you go, you go. Yeah. Well, it, once, <laughs> once you have gotten um, one thing through like the, the magazine like that, it just opens up a lot of other opportunities that i'm sure because yeah. your your work is like i don't know it's great and it's amazing thanks have you your science documented cool what'd you say i said and your science is cool too go oh, yeah it is have yeah. you documented specific photo or specific things happening that relate to like global warming like modern future climate change and then communicated that with the public via Instagram or this Nat Geo publications or. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, I use photography as a, as a scientific tool as well. So I have 
time-lapse right. cameras that have been pointed at the same plant for the last 10 years now. So you can see it's, it's cycle uh. every um, day for the last 10 years up in, up in Greenland. Uh, like when is it growing? When is it you know, reproducing? Stuff like that. So you can see patterns that oh. a human would never be able to to see. Right. Some of my colleagues have taken this a step further where they have cameras that are like pointing at plants to take a picture every second or every minute for years and years and years. And then they use machine learning and AI to track yeah. all the interactions between pollinators in that plant and then what, what, that, what that does. And then with the drone stuff, wow. uh, you can measure things at much bigger scales. So right yeah. now we're doing a lot of science with the drones, but we're also transforming that into a way to take people to these places um, by yeah, creating right. kind of a, an immersive virtual reality uh, environment that shows the place and its scale and how big it is, uh, even if you can never visit there, and also show kind of future scenarios that that will play out and this is a big collaborative project that, that i'm working on right now with um did jeff zuckerberg and the metaverse fund that <laughs> so we have funding <laughs> we have funding through national geographic society and that meridian treehouse which is kind of like a, a, oh. a story um vr development um company that is out there cool and that's working with that's pretty... people that live in the arctic indigenous communities yeah. park rangers educators, scientists, uh, animators in Sweden. It, that's a, it's a really exciting Ooh. thing that stay tuned for that. And I think it's just, again, going back to like, if you think about climate change, you think about getting people to care about climate change. And I feel like the sentiment's probably different in Denmark than it is here. But like the way that you do it is through showing people parts of the world and immersing them in places they can't go and just making them realize that like everything is worth caring about, right? Like, I think that communication narrative is so, so key. And that's why I think your work, Jeff, is so cool because it is at this, you're doing this amazing science, but you're also like such a good storyteller. And I just, and I also never know where you are. And I think that's fun. <laughs> no, I'm usually <laughs> behind my computer, um, but don't believe what you see on Instagram. That's just me living my memories in the past. Like, oh, I wish I was in this Oh, uh, you're not, okay. Not that's real everybody time. though. <laughs> yeah. That's everyone yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> Your TBC. photos are just better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of Instagram, to wrap up, can you just tell us where we can find you? And I just, how many followers do you have? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I think it's a lot. So I'm, uh, I'm JT Kirby with an E on Instagram. And I think I have a, a link to it. Like a hundred thousand followers right now. But, a lot um, of followers. Do you have a blue check mark? Yeah, I, I have a blue check. Did mark. you pay for Elon's? <laughs> Thankfully, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on over there. Somebody else paid for your blue check. Mark, That's why I was like, Rachel, should Twitter. we pay for Jeff's uh, Twitter blue check mark and start messing with his? And Twitter. just start posting pictures of my cat. Know. Yeah. <laughs> Great. I mean, that can only that be good be for me. Really. <laughs> It'd be like the best, most specific troll of. <laughs> yeah, like nobody would. I don't know. Maybe Jeff got a cat. Notice. All right. <laughs> I wish I had a really cat. shitty picture of his cat. Yeah. Oh, well, you can you come visit my cat right here in Aarhus, Denmark. I will happily. She's great. Up on that. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Jeff, it has been so lovely chatting with you and catching up because I don't get to see you like Rachel does in real life. Um, oh, thanks for I've being seen here. Twice ever. Yeah. This is our. Uh, I guess more recently than I have. This is our third meeting. Yeah. <laughs> Although twice, two of those, two out of three of those were today. So 
That's, I felt very recent. Come to come visit, please. We, You're very welcome. I know, here. I know, I know. Thank you, Ambassador to Denmark. <laughs> they care about no. I know. Culture. We. I. I gotta like. We need to go. I haven't to Europe in so long. It'd be so nice to see people. On that note, yes. Jeff. Yes, thank, <laughs> thank you, you very much. Thank thank you both so much. I mean, this was this is an absolute pleasure, and uh, yeah, I look forward to continuing the conversation. However, whenever we can.